This podcast is produced by Painted Tree Boutiques. Welcome to the Life and Style Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Lane. On this podcast, I chat with dreamers and doers about all things life, style, and everything in between. Because style is more than what's at the surface. It's self-expression, creativity, and stepping into who you are. Hello, my wonderful friends. I hope you're having an amazing day. I am so thrilled to share with you the conversation that I had with Aaron Honbaum. Aaron is the founder and the CEO of the award-winning boutique chain called Elise Boutique. She is also co-founder of Little Rock's inaugural co-working space and social community called The Nest. After starting her own business at the age of 26 out of the trunk of her car and building it into the multi-million dollar boutique chain that it is now, she's realized that her true passion is not just helping women find the perfect outfit, which she does very well, but also helping individuals build lives that they absolutely love. And we got to dive in deep to all of this in our conversation today, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Um, Erin just really had so much value to give, and I loved connecting with her. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you, and I hope you enjoy it. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Life and Style Podcast. And if you enjoy it, it would mean so much if you would leave a review or share on your Instagram story and tag us. It would make my day. I'll tell you that. And here we go. I present to you the lovely Erin Honbaum. Hello, hello, Erin. How's it going? Hi, Kaylee. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm so thrilled to have you here on the podcast. I've been looking forward to connecting with you. Same, same, same. It's been, we've had this on the books for like a month. I know, I know. So I've had plenty of time to get excited about it. (laughs) Exact same. So, and this is perfect to do it on a Monday. I feel like it's starting my week off on a fun note and I'm really excited. Any day that I'm recording a podcast, it brightens my whole day. And the next couple of days after that, I just love it so much. It doesn't feel like work, right? Right, right. It just fills my soul up, honestly. I know, I know, I know. It feels like it's like a nice, like deep breath and it kind of reconnects you to other people, especially if you're like me. I can get like really into task-based work sometimes because it feels good to check it off my list, but then actually getting to connect with a new person is always like really good for the soul. Oh, amen to that. Big amen to that. Um, so I kind of want to get started with a little introduction for people who are listening. Would you mind just sharing a little synopsis of who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, my name is Erin Honbaum. I am 37 years old, but I guess my journey really took off about 11 years ago. I started, um, an online women's clothing and accessories business. It's called Ely's Contemporary Boutiques now, and it was called Ely's then, but it looks a little bit different. And I was actually doing home trunk shows and traveling around the South, doing pop-up shops, um, that all of a sudden turned into a much larger business than that. Um, in 2012, I opened up my first brick and mortar within a year and a half. I had three locations. We currently have four stores located in Arkansas and Kentucky and online, and it is a multi seven figure business. I, within the past year, um, I opened up a brand new business that has nothing to do with Ely's that's called The Nest, and it is a women's co-working clubhouse and social community based in Little Rock, Arkansas. And it has been such a fun and different journey in my entrepreneurism, I guess you could say, I'm definitely learning all the new things every single day. Um, But I have a 
17 month old. I had to think for a second, all, you know, all the months, like it <laughs> changes every up. month. It's hard to keep up. With. My first child during the pandemic, when my stores were actually closed, which I highly don't recommend that for anyone. Um, <laughs> but I, um, he is the light of my life. I live here in Little Rock with my husband and my baby boy and my two rescue pups. And those humans and those dogs are my entire life. And then of course, my businesses are a close second. So oh, oh, that was a wonderful synopsis. I love it. <laughs> We're going to kind of talk more in depth about both Elise and about the nest because there's yeah. so, so much goodness I'm sure to share with both of those. Um, and I have to say the thing that first piqued my interest with Elise was a really positive experience that I had there. Good. I went there, I was on a mission for one specific thing. I needed like a power suit for a conference. And I remember chatting with the girl who was checking me out and she asked me, what are you like, what are you looking for? What do you need this are you needing this for an event? And I kind of shared with her, yeah, I'm going to a conference in Vegas, blah, blah, blah. We were chit-chatting. And then a couple of days later, I get a card in the mail, handwritten note saying, I hope you love your green power suit. I hope your trip to Vegas is amazing and enjoy your conference. And I was Aww. like, okay, that's a home run experience right there. <laughs> yeah, that really, that makes me really, really happy. We, we talk about every week at our L10 leadership meetings, how we're not just a clothing store. It really has to be more than that because you can buy clothing from anywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and I am, as you can probably tell from me talking about my businesses, all of my businesses are very woman empowerment focused. And one thing I noticed when I was running the stores myself and working in the storefronts every day is that I would notice these amazing women would come in and they'd try on clothing and it would be so defeating. And I would look at them and just think they're like beautiful and smart and incredible. And they were focused on these like tiny things about themselves that no one else would ever notice. And I was like, okay, I want to sell clothes that make people feel really good about themselves and also sell them at an attainable price point, right? Because yeah. it's really easy. And I say this and I love, love designer clothing. Do not get me. I'm not disparaging that at all, but it's very easy to spend $500 on a suit that looks amazing, right? Um, it's a little bit harder to find a suit for $75 that looks so amazing. True. So, um, and, and we, it's a little bit more attainable attainable for most women. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that, that makes me feel really good that you had that yes. experience. Oh, that, that was just a beautiful picture of things that are going right at Ely's for sure. So, well, good. Good, good. um, okay. So walk me back to the beginning. You talked about, you started this out of your trunk. Tell oh, yeah. me kind of where the inspiration came to start this in the first place. What made you want to be present in the world of women's fashion? <laughs> so, um, well, first of all, I've always loved fashion. Like I've always loved styling. I've always loved the idea of like finding that great piece that just lights you up. And in college, I was always like the closet to shop. I feel like I was constantly shopping. Friends were coming to my closet to like look and see what I had. Um, so that was always a thing. Everybody loves having that friend. <laughs> right? right? Um, you, my dad jokes, he's like, well, at least all the money I spent buying you clothing has actually like set you up for a career. He's like, there we go. It was an investment. That. Yeah. That's what he said. He's like, it was an investment in your career. Um, so I was always had that big passion. I actually don't have a fashion merchandising degree. I have a public relations and marketing degree. And so when I graduated college, I landed what I thought was a job I was very excited about um, in PR. I just found myself a couple years in really unhappy in that job. Um, going to work with anxiety every day, super mm. depressed. Um, I'm sure there are lots of early to mid 20 somethings that probably that story resonates with. Yeah. I am very close with my dad. 
we were having dinner one night. If you've ever met my dad, he is literally the kindest person Mm -hmm. on the planet. But he got really stern with me that night. And he was like, I am so sick of hearing you complain about your life. You have the opportunity to do anything you want. And not everyone has that opportunity. So you need to find something you love, something you do for free and figure out a way to make money doing it. And I, after I like my ego settled a little bit after being like so hurt that he spoke to me in that manner, uh, I knew he was right. And I really started thinking about, I actually had heard about people doing these traveling trunk shows, um, but not with the same style of clothing that I wanted to do and accessories. And so I was like, you know, I think I could replace my income at this PR job doing this. And like, I'm just going to work hard and I don't need any really any employees and Sure enough, I mean, I ended up replacing it, but it was with a lot of hard work. I mean, I would borrow my dad's truck, load up the largest U-Haul truck, would drive to like New Orleans, Memphis, Nashville, Dallas, Tulsa. I would hire people on site to help me unload the the trailers, right? Because obviously I can't do that all by myself and set up the booths. Um, And then I'd load up and come home, you know, after four or five days. And I look back and I'm like, whoa, that woman had some tenacity. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So that's how it all began. Yeah. That's how it began. Um, by, so I quit my job in February, 2011 to start doing that by December, 2011. Um, I decided to host a Christmas trunk show at my house. I had a little bungalow in Hillcrest and I had hundreds of people show up for it. It was crazy. Wow. And I was like, okay, I've got to get a storefront. So I started looking and then April, 2012 was the first Little Rock store, which it was much smaller than our current Little Rock store. It was about 800 square feet. It was just like a block away from its current location, but, um, it's been just such a fun, fun journey. Oh, incredible. I love it. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit more later in the conversation. I want to hear lessons that you've learned, challenges that you faced, but I also first kind of want to hear what led to where you are now with the nest. So what inspired that concept and how did, how did this come to be? Yeah. So, um, pre-pandemic 2017 ish, um, 2018, a girlfriend of mine who, um, I've known since college, she is a financial advisor and she approached me. She was like, Hey, I, want to put on like a women's conference and I want to talk to women about like financial literacy and really help them, you know, empower them. And she was like, you know, I was thinking maybe if like you would come be a part of it and talk about fashion that women would want to come because they'd want to come hear you speak. And I was like, okay, well, I totally agree. I think that's really important, but we're not going to talk about fashion. I was like, cause people don't want to talk about fashion. We're going to talk about like empowerment. We're going to talk about business building. We're going to talk about like much bigger issues than, mm-hmm. you know, than just talking about fashion. And she yeah. was like, okay, I'm in. And, um, we named our group power players and we held our first, I think it was 2018 January, maybe. Um, our first event at Heifer International, and we had over 300 women register. No advertising, no, I mean, nothing fancy, right? We had, I think, lost 40 donated beers for like a little pre-happy hour. Um, And we were like, whoa, there is a missing segment here in the market, right? Like women were driving from Conway and Benton and Bryant to like come just to talk about being empowered as a woman. Um, 
And so we kept doing it and we put together like a steering committee. And now, of course, we were self-funding all of this because the events were completely free. We weren't selling tickets. We were offering it as like a community event. Um, but it was during power players really that I was like, women need a space here in central Arkansas. Like even just finding a space to host power players, free events was very, very difficult as most places were like, oh sure, we'll rent it to you for four hours for $2,000. And we were like, you don't have $2,000, you know? Um, So that was really kind of how my side of the nest was born. Natalie had a different idea, which she hadn't the name The Nest was something kind of I always had in the back of my head when we were okay. doing Power Players. Um, and Natalie and I actually met through a Vistage CEO group, which is like a CEO peer group. Um, there's around 20 of us and we get together monthly and talk shop about our businesses. And Natalie and I are the only two women in the group. So of course wow. we hit it off. And Natalie has a podcast. She was actually interviewing a woman who had a co-working space in Bentonville and was like, oh my gosh, Little Rock needs one of these. So Natalie had hosted me on her podcast to talk about power players and Ely's and all these things. And she was like, I've had this idea too for a co-working space. And she was like, we should do it. And uh, flash forward, you know, it's one of those things, you know, when you're like, we should do this, we should do this. There's a very big gap between we should do this and then actually like doing something, right? Yes, like yes. just playing, signing a lease spending the money, all that. Um, so it was definitely a gap and it was 2020. I was about eight months pregnant. Natalie are sitting at Hill station and she's like, Aaron, I know you're about to have this baby in like two weeks, but I really think we have to do the nest. <laughs> two weeks. Literally, literally. I was like, she was like, let's just like get you having this baby. And then like, let's hit the ground running like early 2021. And, you know, I think at that time I was, she was like, if not us, then who? And I was like, okay, which I highly suggest not making business decisions when you're like eight to nine months pregnant. I don't think that's probably like the best frame of mind looking back to making it. Um, but you know what, like just walking into the space, even today on a Monday where there's like multiple people out there just like enjoying the beautiful space and like enjoying the camaraderie of working alongside other creative and inspiring women, you know, I just, I feel really fortunate that it's t- taken off the way it has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was fortunate enough to attend one of the events. Um, the director, I actually have a mutual friend with. And so she yes. reached out to me and told me about this entrepreneurship event that was happening. And it really, it really is a powerful experience being there because you're right. It's a gorgeous space. So it's inspiring just to be there and then spending time there. You're not only getting to connect with other women and be inspired by them, but you're also able to, you know, collaborate and make connections that can last outside of the nest. And so it re- yes. there's so many elements to it that are really powerful. You are exactly right. And that's why I've really, um, it's been kind of interesting explaining what it is to people who aren't really kind of in that world. Uh, so even we're like, how do we coin this? That's why we say co-working clubhouse and social community. Cause we were like, it's really so much more than just a co-working space. Um, and what one thing that I've loved is seeing the connections made between members already of just like friendships or professional relationships that are taking off. Um, and you know what? Men are doing this all the time. They're doing it at the country clubs and they're doing it in the men's grills and they're doing yes. it all these places. And we deserve a space too. Um, yes. And it's really made way for women to connect 
um, on a deeper level with each other. And I also think that for so long, you know, there were only so many spots at the table for women. And I think that we're finally getting through that barrier and that mentality of like, wait a minute, it's not other women we should be fighting, right? For their spots. Like there are a lot of other open spots at the table that we can pull our chairs up to. So I think that collaborate, you know, community over competition, that collaboration over competition mindset is very, very real here at The Nest. Um, And it's a refreshing, it's refreshing. Oh, yes. It is a beautiful picture of community over competition. And there is so much to be gained from everyone involved in that. So that's it. I mean, yeah, it's amazing to see, like, I mean, I feel like I learn stuff all the time from people and I've been an entrepreneur for 11 years, right? Like you don't know what you don't know. And, um, you're not the only one with great ideas. There are so many other people that have incredible ideas that can be very useful to you in your business. Oh, yes. We are better together. I love it. Oh, I love gosh. it so much. Yes. Um, yes. okay. So taking, Thinking about both of these businesses and the journey that you've had, um, tell me for someone who's listening, who's thinking about starting a business of their own, what are some of the top things that you've learned just about that process? Cause you talked about, you know, there's a big gap between dreaming of it happening and it actually happening. So yes. what are some of those lessons that you've learned? Yes. Um, oh gosh, I feel like I'm still <laughs> Kaylee learning so many lessons. I swear. <laughs> like if you see my like notes of things, you know, um, okay. So number one, my biggest piece of advice I give people, no matter what business they're starting before owning and operating my own business, I was someone who loved to finish things. So in college, I'd have a to-do list and then my little calendar and I'd check everything off and it was so nice and organized and perfect. Get very comfortable with realizing your to-do list will never end with owning a business. It is never ending. It is fluid. It is constantly being added to and taken away and reevaluated of what your most important tasks are for the day, depending on what fires you have to put out. Um, But get really, really comfortable being okay with never being done. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I think I've held a lot of my self-worth in completing things and being like, here's my lovely, beautiful, finished project in this like tied up neat with a bow. And my life doesn't look like that now. Um, and I have to be okay with it not looking like that. And thankfully over the decade, I've gotten very comfortable with just, you know what, some people might be upset that I didn't get back to emailing them that day. You know, there are other things that were more important. And I think I've gotten very comfortable with that. So that would be my number one. My number two is that invest in a very good CPA. Um, I think people underestimate um, the importance of the financials and keeping them really streamlined and organized and operations tight. So make sure you find a CPA that you can trust and that you feel comfortable asking questions. I'm pretty sure I heard Gwyneth Paltrow say on her Goop podcast one time that she was like, I used to be so embarrassed asking questions at board of directors meetings and business meetings for Goop. She was like, and then it dawned on me that I'm not stupid. I'm just naive. I've never learned this stuff before. I didn't go to business school. Yes. Just because you don't know doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means no one's ever taught that to you. You've never been in the situation where you've had to learn. So it's okay not knowing. What's not okay is not asking the question. 
right? Yes. Um, and then continuing not to know. So I think just finding someone that you feel really, really comfortable asking questions with, um, because I, you know, I ask a lot of questions. I look at everything now. I've learned the lessons of, you know, there's a fine balance of like trust, right? Of like trusting people and then also making sure that you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's and asking the right questions so you're not taken advantage of. So, um, you know, I ask a lot of questions about things that I'm not sure of or that my gut says, you know, ooh, this feels off. Um, and that would be my third thing is like pay attention to your gut instincts you know learn the difference in your gut between fear of just because you're like scared about something or like the gut instinct of like this isn't right um because I can tell you I've made some poor business decisions over the past 10 years that I look back on I'm like I knew that wasn't right I could feel that in my gut and I did it anyways I pushed forward because my ego wanted it or I felt bad about backing out at the last minute um so listen to your gut. It, it generally steers you in the right direction. Oh, three really solid pieces of advice. Thank you for sharing that. And I feel like yeah, that's absolutely. so something that can be applied across so many industries. And it's just true, true stuff. The Life and Style podcast is produced by Painted Tree Boutiques. With locations across the country, Painted Tree is home to hundreds of local shops, all under one roof. Painted Tree vendors specialize in gifts, decor, fashion, and so much more. For shoppers, it's truly a one-stop gift shop, an experience like no other. And you can feel great about your purchase, knowing that you're supporting a small business. For vendors, owning a shop at Painted Tree is an unbelievable opportunity for growth. Owning your own business is so rewarding, but the cost of opening a brick and mortar store can be staggering when you take it on by yourself. Did you know the average cost of opening a retail store is $100,000? The reason Painted Tree was created was to give people with a dream a fighting chance at succeeding. We are passionate about giving dreamers like you the opportunity to do so without the buckling financial risk that comes with it. In this community, we share costs, resources, and wins. To learn more about how you can open a shop inside Painted Tree, visit paintedtree.com slash vendors. Um, and then what about just the dynamics of leading people? Have there been any key t- takeaways for you in just how to be a strong leader? Oh my gosh. I can tell you leading people is one of the hardest jobs that I've ever had. And it's because we're all human, right? And we're all so different. So to one employee, you could be the best boss ever. And then to another employee, they could think that you're just like the worst person on the planet. Um, So this is a constant work in progress for me. I don't think I'll ever be finished when it comes to the people leadership and that person component, the human aspect of the business. Um, I would say... Brene Brown says clear is kind. Mm. And I think for a long time, I was keeping like, I wasn't explaining to my employees well enough, like what I expected of them. Like I need, I didn't explain what done looked like. And that's Mm. really unfair because no one is ever going to read my mind. Right. Um, No one's ever going to be able to like 
take a peek in my brain and be like, oh, that's what Erin wants when she leaves this vague request on Slack or on Trello or something like that. Um, so clear is kind. I try to keep that at the forefront of all communications with employees is just over communicate um, with them because they aren't in my brain and they haven't been along on this journey for the entire 11 years and they deserve every chance they have of doing the best possible job. And the best possible job is me giving them exactly what done looks like on projects, tasks, et cetera, et cetera. So clear is kind, explaining fully what done looks like um, and trying to just get aligned and on the same page. And it's, it's, it's hard because every single person's different, right? Yeah. So sometimes you have to meet people where they're at too. Um, so, you know, with certain employees, I know I'm like, they're going to get it like that. And then others, I'm like, okay, no, I need them to like regurgitate back to me what they think that I want. So we can ask those clarifying questions and get on the same page. So just being really clear and then just meeting people where they're at. Oh, so good. And I love the concise nature of clear is kind, because I think a lot of times being clear can feel intimidating or feel unkind because you're being so, you know, it can be intimidating to be particular with somebody. You don't want to offend them. You don't want to be overbearing, but that's a, that's a way to extend kindness to them and give them a shot at succeeding at what they're doing. Absolutely. And then one thing, whenever I bring someone on, that's going to be working directly for me, I always have a conversation with them that a, we are always going towards the same goal. There will never be a time like we are on the same team. We are going for the same goal. And if I didn't believe in you in this position, I would stop giving you feedback because that means I've given up. If I'm giving you feedback, if I'm giving you critiques and criticism and trying to get you to move the ball down the court in a direction, it's because I believe in you and I want us to be on the same page and moving in the right direction. And so I try to have that conversation really early on, like, hey, this doesn't mean if you get, you know, if I write you a paragraph back on the changes I want, that doesn't mean your work sucks. It just means that it's not the direction I wanted it to take. And I believe in you and we can get there together. Um, so having that conversation is very helpful. Having it yes. sooner rather than later. So good. So good. Setting the stage early on. Yes. Um, Okay. Another thing that stood out to me, looking at your website, one of the first things you see is you are the CEO of your own life. So tell me a little bit about what that means to you and why you feel that that is important. Yeah. So a few years ago, um, a very dear friend of mine put on a women's conference in Austin, Texas, and she asked me to come down and be one of her speakers at that event. And, you know, I really started thinking about, okay, what do I want to impart to these 300 women? you know, that are in all different stages of life, different ages, different occupations. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I want to talk about being the CEO of your own life because the truth is, is that really we all have choices every single day, whether you're working for yourself, whether you're working for someone else, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether no matter what stage of life you're in, you are in control of you at the end of the day. And I think I know for myself personally, when I have been in 
seasons that weren't great seasons, maybe seasons, what I call seasons of despair, or I felt really out of alignment. It's, I felt out of control, right? I felt like I didn't have any control over my own life. Um, so my entire keynote was about being the CEO of your own life. And it's really become my working theme of whether, you know, doing any kind of consulting or coaching, whether that's personal or professional, whether I'm with my employees coaching them, it's about we're the CEOs of our own lives. We get to choose. None of us are fully stuck, right? Um, and there are very few situations in life where we are truly stuck in our circumstances. So kind of changing gears a little bit, I want to know how you would describe your personal style. So I am all over the board and <laughs> it really, it totally depends on my mood. So if it were like, for example, um, my home is usually always a reflection of like where I live. So depending on like the neighborhood, depending on the style of the actual home is already in. So right now my husband and I bought a new home in 2018 after we got married and we live in the Heights and it's a very like classic traditional home. So the interior designer we brought on to help us do that. We were like, we want to do it like super Heights traditional home. But if you go back to like my Hillcrest bungalow, it was like felt way more modern, sleek, all grays and blacks and silvers and pewters, um, which was a totally different stage of life. Right. It was like me, just me single, running my business, yeah. wanted something like super cozy, but also felt really like cool and sleek. Um, clothing could really be all over the place. So I love a great <laughs> dress. I love a great dress, like love, love, love a great dress. Um, so I'll go anything from like a super casual, like puff sleeve midi with sneakers to, um, mom jeans, blazer, graphic tee. It really just depends on the day. Um, usually if you run into me, I will barely have any makeup on. My hair will probably be in a low ponytail. I'll be probably be in some kind of boyfriend denim or mom jeans, a graphic tee and golden goose sneakers. And that's typically what you'll see me in. It's a good look. It's a good look. I like that. <laughs> Definitely not one of those people. Like, obviously you can see me right now that like, I do not get dolled up every single day. I'm like, I've got 25, 30 minutes to get ready for the day. And then I've got to get out the door. I've got to yep. get moving. Yep. You got to choose your battles. You figure do. Out what your priorities like, are. That's just the stage of life I'm at right now. You know? Yes. Yes. I have a two-year-old daughter and I very okay, much have mastered the 10 minute throw yourself together. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. 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 It's, and it's amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I used to spend an hour and a half getting ready. What did I do? Right. What did we do with all that time? I don't like, know. Like just in general. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's the big question. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. So what are some daily rituals that you find to be the most important for your mental health? Oh, this is easy. Um, gratitude, I think, does tremendous work towards good mental health. Um, prayer and meditation, I think, is very, very important, even if it's like three minutes of your day. Um, I think sometimes people hear this and they're like, I don't have an hour. And I'm like, sister, I don't have an hour. Um, but just spending that like you know, five minutes to 20 minutes in quiet time in the mornings really sets the tone for me mentally for the day. Um, when I'm really, what I'd say, living my best self, I'm working out a couple times a week too. But 
I don't want to get overzealous because in reality, that's not happening every single week. That's like on a great week that I'm working out three times a week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I feel like oh. I don't want to set unrealistic standards for people, right? Totally. Like, totally. You got to do what you're actually going to do. That's yes. the thing. Yes. So that's why I say I'm like, okay, yeah, ideally I'd love 15 minutes of meditation, but if it's four, okay, that's better than none. So. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, okay. And what are some key or what is a key piece of advice that you would give to your younger self, maybe like 15 years old? Oh my gosh. Okay. 15, 15 was tough. That was a, I feel like that was a hard age. I was a really awkward 15 year old and I had some friends that were really cool and I was always super awkward, which I don't know if that's better or worse, you know? Um, okay. So 15 year old Erin, I think I would tell her that I think I always felt like I was meant for something bigger in my life, even at that age. And I felt like I, it was really hard in my teenage years because I, I was always a late bloomer. Like, I feel like I always like bloomed a lot later than most people. Mm. And I would probably tell her that like, that whatever you feel right now, like you're not wrong. Like it's going to happen for you. It's just going to happen a little bit later, but when it does, you'll be really grateful it happened the way it did. Oh, that's good. That's powerful. Yeah. Um, I love that. God bless and- you. If you're 15 listening to this, like you're going to be okay. Yes. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. 15 was hard. 15 was it is very hard. hard. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. What makes you feel like the best version of yourself? Oh, so when I resonated on what I wanted to accomplish this year, a word came up for me that was ease, peace, Mm -hmm. ease, just, which it was interesting because usually it's like warrior, like success or like all these big things, but really it was, it was peace and ease. And, you know, right now, what feels really good and authentic to me are days that feel easy. Like it feels good. And it's simple things, right? Like, um, maybe I wake up naturally before my alarm and that feels really good. And I'm able to drink my coffee and do my gratitude, um, do my meditation. I get to spend some time with George in the mornings, you know, get him out of his crib and just like soaking in those little moments. Um, so I think the best version of my life at this stage is really being able to be fully present in the small moments. Oh, Um, that is so powerful. And I feel like that is a common theme that just keeps coming up in these conversations because it, it really is so central. Um, it reminds me of something that Alyssa Rosenheck, who was a previous guest on our podcast, she's amazing. She talked about the value of just not being in a hurry. Not yes. being hurried is one of yes. her like core values and one of the things that makes her life feel full and rich and good. And I'm, yes. that just resonates on such a deep yes. level. It doesn't that just even, that sounds good, right? Like not being in a hurry taking a breath, taking a beat. Um, I remember having a conversation with myself in my late twenties where it felt like everything had to move really fast and with my career. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have so much time. Like there are lots of things I want to do and experience. And there is so much more time. Time is, it's an abundant thing, right? Um, 
that just feels really good. Not being in a hurry. Yes. Yes. Soaking up, being present, growing where my feet are planted, being there and not being somewhere else mentally. Oh, so good. And it also kind of illuminates our just baseline tendency to be in a hurry because it's interesting that just the idea of not being in a hurry kind of lights something up. It feels a little unfamiliar because of what our baseline is as a culture and most of us as individuals. Totally. Totally. I also think for me, one thing I've learned is that I'm an Enneagram three. So I get a lot of my self-worth from doing and being and succeeding all the, you know, checking all the boxes and Mm -hmm. earning all the stars or whatever. Um, But really, I'm really trying to work hard at not looking at my life in that way and looking at my life of like, how much joy do I have in my life? Like, that's the measure of success. Like, how good do I feel? Um, And even at some of our largest points of our business, where our business was just like growing like crazy and doing tons of money, those were some actually of my like darkest points because you get to that point and you're just running yourself ragged and you're like, what's the point? What's the point? Oh, that's so powerful. If the, if those are your end goals, if that in itself, these business milestones are the end goals, you're always going to come up short. You are always, there's always going to be another mountain to climb. You're never going to reach this pinnacle of success. It's never going to happen, you know, and really at the end of the day, you can't take any of it with you you know, and even just like looking at George in the morning, I'm like, this is my legacy, right? Like these people, like how well did I love them? Um, How well did I encourage them? At the end of the day, that's all that matters. So, yes. Oh, so good. So good. Couldn't agree more. Um, Okay. Changing gears a little bit. I would love to hear some of your favorite social media accounts to follow or podcasts to listen to. Okay. So every single morning, actually part of my ritual, but it's, I would not add it for mental health. I listen to um, the New York times daily podcast every single day. Cause it dives I'm a regular as well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Short. I'm like, I need to know about the news, but I need it like pretty quick. And I like that they dive deep and it's, it, they do a really great job. So I listen to the daily, um, every single day. Um, I also listen to crime podcast kind of embarrassed to say crime junkie <laughs> crime okay don't actually don't listen to crime junkie. oh really okay I feel like that's no. the one I always right now I'm actually <laughs> listening to an old one it's um called in your own backyard okay and it's about the Kristen smart disappearance but I've already like googled it and looked ahead and read ahead but I'm still listening to it um so I'm listening to that I also like the Lori Harder podcast um a friend of mine who actually spoke at the event in Austin, she's based in Scottsdale, Arizona. She has a great podcast for entrepreneurs. It's called Powerhouse Women. Um, and I love, she's she has such a great podcast voice and she's just a precious, amazing human being. So I always love listening to her stuff. Um, so I'd highly recommend that to your listeners. Um, I listen to some Entree Leadership, uh, How I Built This. Love it's it. great. Yes, it's yes. Um, I'm a big podcaster, big book on tape, audible person. Yes. Oh my goodness. I went through a phase of trying to just like only read hard books, like 
tangible books I could hold in my hands. And then I, I reached a point of being like, it's a, it's the difference between reading and not reading. I might as well also be listening to audiobooks. Yes. 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 yes, yes. There's only so many hours in the day. Exactly. Um, I also like, I like Amy Porterfield's for like tangible, like, Hey, if you want to learn about marketing, I think that's a great podcast for people to listen to just like super easy listening. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, well, lots of good, lots of good. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And I am going to ask you, this is the fun part, rapid okay. fire questions. So Love I'm going to start a sentence and you're going to finish it and it's going to be okay. lots of fun. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> My favorite TV show or movie is Shit's Creek. Oh yes. That's a winner. for sure. <laughs> Love that. Uh, my first job was the limited. Really? Yes. Love it. My favorite subject in elementary school was reading. Ooh, yep. My, me too. I say yes, because me too. Um, uh, my favorite book is, oh gosh, this is a hard one. Um, I would say a return to love by Marianne Williamson. Okay. My style in three words is easy, functional, fun. Love that. Something I'd like to learn more about is business accounting. Love it. Love it. My go-to snack is Ooh, dark chocolate. Awesome. My husband's a dark chocolate man all the way. Dark chocolate. Those yes. bark sins get me every time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. An activity that brings me joy is strolling George. Oh yeah. Yeah. The best piece of advice I've ever received was find something you love, something you do for free and figure out a way to make money doing it. So good. One of the kindest things someone has ever done for me was I think told me the truth. I think real friends tell you the truth. And I think sometimes that's hard. Totally. Totally. Um, I love what I do because I feel like it can make a difference in people's lives. Absolutely. It absolutely can. Um, so how can people connect with you online, Erin? So they can follow me on Instagram at Erin L. Honebaum, um, or you can also go to Ely's. I'm not the person running that. I have a fabulous creative marketing manager that does that. You can also connect with us um, at the Nest LR on Instagram as well. I'm not the main person checking that, but any of those places can help you get in touch with me. And I'd love to connect. Wonderful. And is there anything else that you would like people to know as they're following along on social media? Following along with me, with anybody, you know, really that you don't know what the backside of people's businesses or lives really look like. And comparison really is the thief of joy. I think that's the biggest thing is that it's the thief of joy. And, you know, if you're following anyone that doesn't make you feel great about yourself, click the unfollow button. Oh, the unfollow <laughs> button is always there. I yes. love that. Yes. 
Um, wonderful. Aaron, this has totally made my day getting to connect with you today. Thank you so much for carving some time out to chat with me and share so much goodness during a quick conversation. <laughs> Thanks, Kaylee. This has been so fun. It's literally been the highlight to the start of my week. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. You too. Bye. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. I so loved connecting with Aaron and I'm just really grateful to you for being here today. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram at the life and style podcast. I will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Bye friends. This podcast episode was produced by the marketing and media team at Painted Tree Boutiques. Special thanks to Aiden McMillan and all of the Painted Tree shoppers, staff, and vendors that make this project possible.